very nearly at the end of Philippians. Can we have Philippians 4? <laughs> 7 to 9. I've given myself two verses. Don't tell anybody. I've been generous. Finally. Ha. You, when Paul writes the word finally, you're, you're, you're allowed to laugh. Yeah. Okay, because there's always a bit more to come. But, as Pete reminded everybody this morning, actually the word finally there could mean pertaining to these last things. Like, oh, okay. So he's coming to his conclusions. He's drawing it together. Finally, brothers and sisters. Of course, he doesn't write that. That's the modern translation. He writes brothers. Sorry about that, but it was written 2,000 years ago. So, you know. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Just in case you not noticed, the next word is, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Of course, we can't take these verses out of the context of the previous chapter, out of the context of the whole letter. It's not, a, it's not a long letter. You can sit and read the whole of Philippians in, what, 15 minutes? And that's, that's if you read slowly. It's, it's not a lot there, but we've taken it apart. I think the Lord is saying to us through these couple of verses, two He's given us two verbs. And the first one is think. It's at the end of verse 8. Think about such things. And Paul is very much someone that wants us to start in our minds. Now, of course, mind to somebody in the first century doesn't just mean your intellect. Living in freedom, one. Your mind is your psyche. It's the place where your thought processes are, but also where, what else is in your psyche? Doesn't look at counsellor to get answer. What else is in your psyche? I'm not trying to trip anybody up. Straightforward answers. What's also, if it's, if it's not your spirit and it's not your physical flesh, what else is in there? What, what else is there behind the eyes? What else? I'm going to push this. Your, there's your brain. Your, so there's, there's your intellect. Your thoughts. We've got, yeah, brain, thoughts. So we normally translate the word psyche soul. But it means a wider thing than we think. What happens, of course, is we think the word soul means spirit. It doesn't. Your soul is something separate to that. So your spirit is something separate to your soul. So who said it? Somebody said it over here. Emotions. Emotions. And if you combine your emotions and your thinking, what then do you have? Go on, you're all using it right now. Because you're all trying to imagine what I could mean. So it's your thinking, it's your emotions, it's your imagination. Paul means all of those things when he says think. 
We've, 2,000 years on, we think think means think. So I'll say that again. That's quite a good one, that. We think think means think, and just think. Not imagine. Not feel. Because to think is good and to feel is bad, isn't it? Well, that's how I was brought up. That's how I was educated. Wasn't it? Now, we know it's not. We know you've got to think and feel. And if you're a thinker and you don't feel, there's a problem. Since some of us are more thinkers than feelers. And if you feel and you don't think, guess what? There's a problem. But some of us are more feelers than thinkers. Go on, hands up if you think. <laughs> that you're a thinker. You're a rational person. Just isn't it? Not so many. See, Chris would have both hands up in the air and be standing. Yeah, Paul, Paul's got both hands in the air, standing on the pew. But more emotional in recent years. More freedom. But still a thinker. Come on, I was talking to an accountant earlier. They've got to be. A, when Stephen said to me earlier, I quite enjoy doing that. It's like, yeah, right. But do you know what? Boy, am I thankful for people like that. But again, there's an emotional side in there. And I'm a feeler. I'm a perceiver. I get the gut reaction, and then I work out why. <laughs> but actually, there's enough of a rational person in me to, to want to work out why. I don't just go with my gut, unless I'm leading worship. Or... <laughs> You know, or you get given a word you don't understand and then you've got to work it out. You've got to engage your rational mind. Especially when the person giving, you to, giving it to you says, I don't understand this either. But we, we're told to think. But it's engaging our mind, our intellect, our brain, but it's also engaging our imagination and our emotions. It's engaging the whole of that. Think. Think about such things. What does he say elsewhere? He says this in Colossians. I've never seen Neil move so fast. <laughs> Is it out there? Set your thinking place, your psyche, on things above, not on earthly things. So Paul has previous on this. Colossians says the same. He's telling us in Philippians to think about these things. And these things set your minds on things above. To the Christian normally goes, just set your mind on Jesus and everything will be fine. Paul doesn't say that. To fix your eyes, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. He sets your what, does he, what do you set your mind on? Things from above. What does he mean by that? He means the heavenly reality. So who's raised into the heavenly reality? We are. So one of the things above is us. Oh. Had you thought about that before? So actually, we're to care for each other. When one of us grieves, we all grieve. 
When one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. One of us hurts, we all hurt. Set your mind on things above. But not on earthly things. So it's not the fleshly things, it's not the, I'm jealous of their house. Oh, I wish I had a job like they did. Wish I could sell my house. Wish I could do this, wish I could do... No, they're the earthly things. But that doesn't mean we don't... That doesn't mean ignore your brothers and sisters in Christ and just think about the super spiritual things because your brothers and sisters in Christ are the super spiritual things or part of the super Because we're raised with Christ, Paul says in Ephesians. Take your mind on the things above. But also on the heavenlies. Those of you in my two groups this week, I hope that's a bit clearer now. Set your mind on the heavenlies doesn't mean just on where God is. It means the heavenly realms all around us, where angels and demons are, where all the spiritual stuff happens, blessing and curses, provision and attack. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. And he also says this, Romans. I often quote this, but we rarely have it up. Therefore, <clears throat> I won't do the sermon on the first 11 chapters of Romans, but this therefore is, because of all I've said in the previous 11 chapters, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So it's not about offering your bodies to be hedonistic and enjoy everything that's out there, but offer your body as a living sacrifice, which might mean we have to forego and not, but he has got abundant life for us. Because abundant life might mean we sacrifice the worldly things. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not put your mind onto worldly things. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your spirit. Yeah? Because it's all about our spirit, isn't it? Come on, Malcolm. What does it say? Mind. mind. I, I, don't, I don't mind if I do. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. You can come again. You laughed at my jokes, even though you have no idea what's going on, so that's fine. <laughs> By the renewing of your mind. God wants our minds to change. But remember, it is our intellect. He wants us to rationally think differently, because he wants us to think with a heavenly mindset. But it's also our emotions and our imaginations. It's all of it. And when we hit something, Wendy and I have hit something really this weekend, just before she goes away. Great. And it's horrible. But we've got a choice. Do we let the affect the way we feel and think and imagine? Or do we let our minds be renewed in the middle of it? Hard, isn't it? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying this is the choices we have. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Great. Back to Philippians. So the first injunction to us is to think. Take your mind on heavenly things. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
So Paul then goes on in this passage to say, think about such things. And when Paul repeats himself, you know, when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say unto you, I think I said this to you last week, didn't I? when he says truly, truly, he's going, oi, listen up, this is important. When Paul repeats something, it's exactly the same. What word is repeated there? Seven times. Whatever. And actually, Paul's a Pharisee, Jewish thinking, seven is the perfect number. So if he's repeated the word seven times, he's going, oi, listen up, this is important. No, I mean it. This is important. There's a list of seven things, whatever. Whatever. See, some of you are too old for that one, some of you are not old enough. Toby, I'm glad you smiled. Thank you. Somebody in between. That's great whatever and Paul is using this word whatever because do you know what do you know what he means by it shall I let you into a secret what he means by the word whatever yeah he means whatever it means absolutely anything that meets this criteria whatever it's not being used the way we normally use it in an argument at home. Go, whatever. Because we don't actually mean whatever, do we? We mean, I'm giving up. You, you get your way, I'll just shut up. But whatever. So there's an inclusivity in this. And it's seven times, so there's a perfection in the inclusivity. It's much more... It's not just aiming at your rational thought here. He's trying to aim at the whole imagery of his whatever. Whatever is one of those words. If you keep saying it like I'm doing at the moment, it just feels weird after about the fourth time. So what does he mean? Whatever is true. You've got to think about whatever is true. Is our world full of truth at the moment? Fake news? I always think, honestly, I think, you know, I watch the BBC and I'm going to get a fair shake on what's going on. And then I read something that the BBC writes or an article about the church and about Christian things and I know how inaccurate it is. I then go, flip, how much of the rest of it is? Just because I'm, it's, it's agreeing with my bias. But then you try some of the other news outlets and you go, oh my goodness, it's even worse. But the way Christianity is portrayed, so how do we know what is true? How can we focus on what is true? Has anybody here done a degree in maths? there's a whole lot about what is true isn't it how can you prove things there's a whole lot of philosophical stuff if you go down that route if you you can yeah I think Bertrand Russell writing a thing that's like 40,000 words proving that one plus one 
might equal two on a good day the following wind you know it even what we think of a scientific fact they thought, they genuinely thought leeches worked in the 18th century. If we were to use them now, well, you do, but you're not. So I watched a thing about the madness of King George. You're not going to stick a leech on the side of somebody's head hoping it's going to suck out the madness, are you? But they genuinely believe that would work. Science changes. Sorry about that, but it does. These things change. Who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow? <coughs> Jesus, the Lord. Whatever is true, how can we know that something is true? It's God. It's true because it's God. It's his revelation. We open our Bible, it is true. It's true. It, we may change the way we interpret it. We may find out things about it, but it's still true. All the things that have changed in our understanding of Scripture have not changed the basic gospel. So maybe we'll ordain people. Maybe we'll ordain women. Maybe we'll, things have changed, but Jesus rose from the dead. True. Oh, no, that's just your perspective. No, no, in this case, I'm really sorry. This bit is true. This bit is true. Oh, well, not for me. Okay. You have a choice to believe it or not. That's where the relativity comes. Do we believe it or not? But it's true. There's so many examples going through history of people trying to disprove the resurrection. And nearly all of them become Christians in the process of trying to disprove the resurrection. It's great. I love it. When you, when you try and argue with God, you don't win. Don't argue with God. It's never a good place to go. Whatever is true. So we've got the Bible. We've got God himself. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got... Looks at notes. Truth is not the things that we talk about. It's not the rumours and the gossip and the conspiracy theories and all that stuff. When a parent of a young child said to me recently, well, anybody who wants to work with children must be a paedophile. And they believed it because that's what they'd read. So what authoritative place have they read that? The internet. Hands up if you're a teacher, or have been a teacher. Yeah, I know you're not a paedophile. <laughs> yes, exactly. But that's what gets around, because we want to work with children. Or a childminder, or what, yeah, whatever. Oh, I'm saying whatever now. <laughs> Trying to be inclusive. But this person genuinely believed it. Bless them. Well, maybe don't bless them in that one, Lord. Change their mind, Lord. But, do you, but the, herd, the herd mentality and the, and the mob voice can make us believe stuff that's just not true. Otherwise, all those things wouldn't have happened over the last two, thousands of years. That we look back and go, how did, they, how did they get fooled into doing that? How did a whole nation get taken in by that lie? And we can see it. What lies have we been? Anyway, moving on. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But whatever is true, the only way you can test if it's true, bring it back to Jesus. Bring it back to the word. 
whatever is true, whatever is noble, not a word we use so much today, whatever is noble. Noble is defined as something with high moral principles. Noble is something that has fine qualities. It's virtuous. It's righteous. Oh, hello. Interesting how the spiritual language sneaks into the dictionary. If something is noble, it's righteous. Simple definition of righteous, anybody? Three words. First one is right. Right with God. So if somebody is noble, there's a right with Godness about it, them. Whatever is noble, it's right with God. Oh, and it's selfless. Odd that. Because that is something that is right with God, isn't it? God didn't, Jesus didn't consider equality with his father something. Go back a few weeks in Philippians. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. What is from God? Whatever is pure, whatever. Guess what the first word in the dictionary for pure is? I was quite surprised. Pardon? Clean? No. I was quite surprised. First, this online dictionary I was on, the first line, it wasn't a Christian dictionary, I promise you. Holy. holy. It's something that's holy. The concept of holiness is still out there. I mean, I, I don't know what they mean by it. <laughs> hands up if you are holy. Come on, everybody, put your hands up. You are holy in Christ. Keep your hands up if you live holy all the time. Oh, there we go. We've got that one, haven't we? Got that one sorted. Interesting, the negative one, we get quicker than the positive stuff. Anyway, moving on. Whatever is pure, whatever is holy, really, whatever is holy, whatever is... The, the other thing about purity, it says without sin or without worldliness, but it's also simple and straightforward. There's a lack of com complexity about it. Actually, Christian faith is so simple. But we make it complex. We're, we tie ourselves in knots. Whatever is lovely. Lovely. Sorry, every time I see that word, that's all I... Lovely. But you know what the, do you know what the word lovely means? Actually means. Pum? Full of love. Carrying love. Full of love. Oh, we're back to God again, aren't we? Whatever is carrying love. And I don't just mean love, love you. I mean love, I mean agape, I mean self-sacrificing love. Not just being nice, but being willing to sacrifice. Willing to give, whatever the cost. So whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. No, no, ad admirable. Not admirable. That's something else entirely, isn't it? Whatever is admirable. Greek word here actually means attractive. And of course, Paul's talking about it's attractive to our spirit. It's spiritually attractive. You do realise everything about God is attractive to our spirit, but anathema to our soul. And everything about the world is attractive to our soul, 
but anathema to our spirit. So when, we, when we're in worship and we're engaging our spirit, we go, wow, this is wonderful. And we get out there and the spiritual thing goes, ping, because we're now engaging in our worldly bit and we're now more attracted to the worldly things. Do we come to church or watch football? Do we come to church or watch rugby? The way we're playing cricket and rugby at the moment, I'll be in church a lot. <laughs> Sorry, that's not... But you understand what I'm trying to say here. It's what's attractive to us. If anything is excellent, excellent, is raised above all other things, what is above all other things? The name of Jesus. And he is raised above all things. He is excellent. And is he worthy of all praise? Well, I hope so. We'll spend the last half an hour wasting our time. You know, it, so what is Paul telling us to, fix our, to think about here? Godly things. God and his things. It's quite simple. But it's so easy reading your Bible every day, isn't it? It's so easy making sure you pray every day. It's so easy having a time of worship in your day. It's so natural. We do it without thinking. It's hard work, isn't it? Because our flesh fights against it. That's why we choose and we decide. I'm going to use a very old-fashioned phrase now. We choose to have a quiet time with God. Time of the Lord, a time set apart, a time to read our scriptures, a time to pray. It's all right for you, you're paid to be a Christian. Yeah, I know, but do you know what? Doing the spiritual things for myself, not just for the job, sometimes gets pushed out. Because I read something and it's for myself, and then I look and go, oh, that'd be really you. And suddenly I'm in work mode rather than me and God mode. So easy. So whatever, all these things fit our, fits our mind. So the first, the first thing we do is think and focus on these things. Then he says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, whatever you've learned, whatever you've received, whatever you've heard, whatever you've seen, whatever you've been taught, of course teaching doesn't, Teaching doesn't work if the person teaching you doesn't do it. Does, does it? Do you think the person teaching you doesn't do what you're being asked to do, then you're going to go, but if there's some authenticity about it, that's why I'll, I'll own up to not being able to do some things because then you know I'm the same as you in that sense. But we teach stuff and what does Paul say? Whatever you've learned, whatever you've received. What does it say? Go on, somebody. Put it into practice. So we think, if we can get our thinking right, if we absorb what we've, we've been taught and been shown to us by example, not just me, but everyone around us, and we... And we Paul, at the end of this letter, his basic conclusion is we'll get on with it then 
get off your, and get on with it. He doesn't write that, I know. He says very politely, put it into practice. But the essence of the Greek underneath it is very, it isn't, please do mind if, could you maybe. The Greek is very much, do it. All this stuff, all this stuff, do it. Do you know why we're doing Living in Freedom 1, 2, plus? In the small groups and all the rest. Do you know why we're doing it? Do you know why we're doing all that teaching? Do you? So that you might do it. <laughs> we're not doing it because I like coming around to people's homes once a fortnight. and Well, actually, I do because I get nicer biscuits and all the rest of it. But, to you lot, we're in church this week, weren't you? Yeah, Wendy, Wendy wasn't so chuffed with that one. <laughs> Bless her. But we're not doing it for our own benefit. Do, do you know what? We, we've done it before. <laughs> we know this stuff. That's why we can teach it. But the whole point is we do it. So, in conclusion, where we put our focus affects how we think. How we think affects our emotions and our imaginations. What we focus on affects the way we think. What we think affects the way we feel and what we imagine. And if we get our emotions and our rational thought and our imagination in line, guess what happens? It changes what we do. So can I encourage you? If you have any encouragement, we're back from Philippians 2 now. If you have any encouragement from your unity with Christ, May your attitude and your actions be the same as that as Christ. Go read Philippians 2, 5 to 8.